The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come Shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm If you are ever going to go to Jesus, now is the time. The storm is breaking over America now, over the entire world. The bond market is coming apart at the seams. We are witnessing the contraction of our economy at the fastest rate in history. We are watching as war is threatened on every side. But beyond that, we're watching as every evil thing is being lifted up. Can you define women? They say no. Can men have babies? They say yes. We live in an age of utter insanity. A man is a man and a woman is a woman. You can dress it up any way you choose, but you can't change the essence of manhood or womanhood. Evil like a vile vomit is arising in America and making us like Sodom and Gomorrah. And the question in all of that is, what will we do? Will we go to Jesus? Now, let me be very frank with you. Every possible distraction is now in play to keep you from Jesus Christ. You can be happy in your religion. He doesn't mind. You can even pay your tithe. Satan doesn't mind. If he has your heart and you're distracted by all of the social media and you're distracted by working for your money, distracted by your entertainment, Satan doesn't mind. He's happy. No, salvation is when we come to the Lord God of heaven, when we come to Jesus. Now, we want to go into this. There is in the book of Matthew more detail given to us regarding the story I shared yesterday out of John. Remember, Matthew is one of the synoptic gospels, that is, giving us 
as much of the full story as he can. While the Gospel of John is not a synoptic, it's trying to go deep into what's really going on behind the scenes. But let's just very quickly look at the exterior. A little boy comes, he has five loaves of bread and two fish. 5,000 men and another probably 5,000 women and children in the congregation that Jesus is speaking to. He wants to feed them. 200 denarii would not be enough for each person to have a bite. But when Jesus takes that bread and the fish, he gives thanks And he breaks the loaves, and then he gives them to the disciples, and the disciples give them to the people. What we're watching is literally food flowing from the hands of Jesus. Some of you don't believe that food will flow from the hands of Jesus, that either you do the world's gig or you're going to die of starvation. You don't put your trust in God because you say, he doesn't answer my prayers. Well, there's a reason for that. So after they've eaten everything they want, there are 12 basketfuls, one for each of the tribes of Israel. There's plenty of bread in the house of God. Then Matthew tells this story a little differently than John. Matthew tells us that Jesus himself made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he remained behind to dismiss the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, this is Matthew 14, verse 23, when evening came, he was there alone. Verse 24, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind that was against it. John tells us it was probably four miles. The place where they had fed the 5,000 was close to Tiberias, and they now had to travel to the north end of the Sea of Galilee, To Capernaum. Their boat is being pushed around by waves. The wind is against them. They can't sail. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. And the disciples see him and they're terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Now watch this. Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. John tells us that. Now what John does not tell us is Peter cries out to the Lord, If it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. That is the wind blowing the waves. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Now I've heard some speak on this 
and say that Peter should have remained in the boat where he was safe. He should not have risked getting out of the boat. Saying that today some people risk getting out of the boat and, and everything is at risk and you shouldn't do that. You should, you should stay where you're safe, where you're, where you know you can live, where you can take care of things. I want to say to you, no. No. When Jesus calls you, even if you initiated it with Jesus, but he speaks to you and he calls you, you obey. You get out of the boat and you walk on the water. And Peter was bold. He walked on the water. None of us have done that. Yes, he sank. But yes, he cried out to Jesus and Jesus saved him. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now Peter knows exactly where his faith is. He has very little. He's concerned about himself. People who stay in the boat are very concerned about their own safety. Peter at least had the courage to get out of the boat. And then as he was about to drown in the water, he cries out to Jesus. And Jesus says, not enough faith, Peter. In other words, faith grows by stretching. I think this was a a trial run for Pentecost, where Peter would stand up and speak that simple but powerful message to the crowd, telling them to repent and to get to Jesus. Peter's heart was to go to Jesus. Now, he didn't always do it very well. And you know what? I don't always do it very well either. But my heart cries, I want to get to Jesus. I want to get there now. I want Jesus. Now I get distracted. And I I can waste time can waste energy being foolish and then I start to sink Christians are called to be water walkers we're not called to ride in the safety of the boat we're called to walk after Jesus where he goes we go what he does we do If you want to keep yourself safe now, don't go to Jesus. But if you want everything to be on the line, then get to Jesus now. It'll change your life. He'll change your life. And if you fail and you cry out, he'll pull you up out of the mess you've created And he'll bring you back to the boat. And it says immediately, immediately, they were at their destination. The wind died down. They said, truly, you are the son of God. Now, in the story in Matthew, 
the people recognized Jesus and they began to bring all of their sick to him. And they begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Then chapter 15 in Matthew tells us that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law come to Jesus from Jerusalem and ask, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They begin to fight with Jesus. And when we go into the book of John, this is what John is most interested in. Yes, he is very interested in people being healed of their diseases as signs, but he's much more concerned about identifying who Jesus is. John six twenty seven. do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Well, what must we do to do the works of God? The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And that word believe literally is to be connected with, to be one with. It's not an intellectual understanding. It's a radical, transforming word. I'm going to go and get connected to Jesus. And today, my plea to you is, go get connected to Jesus. You have a very short window of opportunity to repent of your sin, to cry out to Jesus and say, save me, pull me up out of the mess I'm in. And some of you... Some of you are in a huge mess, financial mess, emotional, drugs, alcohol, pornography, anger, bitterness, judgments, accusations. You're in trouble. You're sinking. And John is telling us, You've got to believe on Jesus. Matthew tells us, you've got to cry out to Jesus. And he'll reach down and pick you up. And he'll pull you out. And he'll set your feet back in the boat. Well, they begin to argue with him. They ask, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? What? They've just seen him heal the sick. They've just seen him feed the crowd of 10,000 plus people. Oh, we want a sign. And Jesus says to them, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me, and still you do not believe. Now, listen. First, you're going to have to decide where you feed, where you feast. Some of you feast 
at the television, on the sports. Some of you feast on your work. That's what gives you security. Some of you feast on relationships. Yea, even including fornication and Some of you feast on all kinds of sexual impurity. Some of you feast on being successful. If I'm just successful and people will look at me and they'll say, wow, look at the car. He's driving a beautiful car. He's successful. He's somebody. What do you feast on? Now, this is such an important question because of what I'm going to show you today. Jesus is saying, you have to come and feast on me. Well, how do we feast on Jesus? Let's get, let's get it down where the rubber hits the road. How do you feast on Jesus Christ? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. That's John 6.35, he who comes to me will never go hungry. So this is something very real. It's not imaginary. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So let me ask you a question. Is the Father drawing you? Is there a drawing in your heart toward Jesus? If there were not, you would not be listening to this broadcast. You would have no interest in it. But if you begin to recognize your desperate situation, that you are dying, that you are sinking in wickedness, you are sinking in the filth of your own heart and your own life, and you're miserable in it, and you want a change. You want a way out. Well, the Jews begin to grumble because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can, how can he now say, I came down from heaven? And Jesus answers, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Some of you God is not drawing. You have cast your lot with the devil, with religion, not with Jesus. Yet there is some small drawing in your heart because you're listening to this broadcast. I want to show you something. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Verse 47, I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, 
Hold your finger there if you're following me in the book of John. And go with me to Matthew, the 26th chapter. The very real question is, how does Jesus give himself to you to eat? The answer is found in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 26. They've just had the communion meal. Judas has just been confronted with with the fact that he's going to betray Jesus. Verse 26, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with my with you in my Father's kingdom. And then they sang a hymn, and they went out. Where did they go? They went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, I want you to not miss this. What did Jesus do when he fed the 5,000, the 10,000? He took the bread in his hands, he broke it, and he passed it out. He took the fish, he broke them, he passed them out. Food coming from the hands of Jesus multiplies. So if you want to eat Jesus Christ, as he's saying in John, the seventh chapter, you are going to then receive from Jesus the bread from his hand that is multiplying. You are eating what he gives you to eat. Now, if we go over here, to John I'm sorry if we go to 1st John this very famous passage gives us a very significant insight into what Jesus is talking about this is chapter 2 of 1st John we'll begin with verse 15 Do not love the world. Do not agape. Do not sacrifice yourself with love for the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world. Now here's what's in the world. The cravings of sinful man. That is the comfortableness, the lifestyle. I want to maintain my lifestyle. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to maintain it. I'll work two jobs, three jobs, four jobs. The craving 
Number two, the lust of his eyes. That is what he sees that he wants. The desire of his flesh. He wants it. He's going to have it. And then finally, the boasting of what he has and does. Now, what's important is that you recognize that I'm somebody, that I'm important, that I'm good at what I do. You better respect me. He says, this comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So here we have this very clear statement. Do not love the world or what is in the world, what is of the world. John, in the sixth chapter, is telling us that Jesus is the bread of life. The world is not the bread of life. I've been deceived by this. Have you? I was told, work hard, get an education. After you get your education, get a good paying job. Earn money. Save money. Marry. Have kids. Live your life. Retire. And go travel the world. Save your money. Do you know how utterly foolish it is to save your money? The money is not yours. It belongs to the Federal Reserve. It's just a a note of debt. And you save those notes of debt that can be adjusted in value as even now we see inflation raging and we haven't seen anything yet compared to what's coming. Some of you have 401ks and you'll soon see them evaporate and you'll say, why didn't I get rid of my 401k and buy something that was real? We do what we're told, live for now in the world. The Federal Reserve just prints the money out of thin air, but you want to save it. No, I don't want to save it. I want to use the money that I have that comes to me by the hand of Jesus to build his kingdom. I want to use the reserve to put in real things that will build the kingdom of Jesus. I want Jesus. I don't want the world. I don't want the flesh. I don't want the devil. I want Jesus. He is the cry of my heart. I need Jesus. If you're going to have Jesus, you're going to have to watch as he breaks the bread of life as he opens to you understanding of the scriptures, as he speaks to you and says, come, get out of the boat, come to me, come. 
You're going to have to risk everything to follow Jesus. It'll cost you everything in this world, but you'll gain eternity. Now listen. The Jews begin to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Obviously, he's not speaking here as a a cannibal. He's speaking in spiritual terms, and he's saying, listen to me. Come to me. Come to me. And as you come to me, I'm going to break the bread of life in my hands for you. I'm going to pour out my blood for you. Take from my hands what I multiply to you. This is not fantasy talk. This is reality. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and And he said, my righteousness and all of the other will be given to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe you have to do your job in order to survive? No, that's not why you're at that workplace. You're not there to earn money. You're there because Jesus assigned you a place of labor. And in that place, you're being faithful to him. And in that place, you're testifying and witnessing that Jesus is the Christ. And you're inviting people to come to him like you have. Do you understand? We've been told all of our lives that the way to make it in America is to work hard, to save money, to buy things that will give us pleasure. And that's what life is about. No, it's not. Life is about coming to Jesus and receiving from his hand what he wants to give us. When you come to Jesus, the first thing he's going to say to you is, will you receive from my hand only what I choose to give you? You're no longer in charge of your life. You're no longer going to say, I'm going to work here or there because the price is right. You're no longer going to say, I'm responsible for my life. And so I'm going to do what I have to do, even if I have to lie or cheat or steal. No. You're going to say, Jesus, you're in charge of my life. And I'm going to be in this place witnessing and testifying that you are the Christ. I'm going to be faithful before you. Now listen. Verse 55. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me or abides in me and I in him. Remember on Monday I spoke about abiding in Jesus, remaining in Jesus. How do you abide in Jesus? How do you remain in Jesus? By eating the bread he gives you as it is multiplied from his hands. 
and drinking the blood as he gives it to you, as he multiplies it to you. That is, you eat his word, you read the scriptures. That is, you fast as he calls you to. You give to the poor. You pray. Those are the basic Christian disciplines. And then in addition to that, as he gives you bread, he will give you instructions. He'll call you to intercede. He'll call you to pray for specific people and specific situations that you need in your spirit to have resolved. To cry out to Jesus knowing you can't handle it yourself. You need him to come and pick you up. You need Jesus. That's why this broadcast, I'm urging you, go to Jesus now. Go to Jesus now. And begin to say to him, Lord, take over my life. This is not institutional religion. This is absolute surrender to the God of heaven and trusting the God of heaven to provide you with the work he wants you to do, to provide you with a life he wants you to live. You're no longer working for lifestyle. You're working for life of service to Jesus Christ. Your whole focus is Jesus. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. I'm yours, Lord. He said, this is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. What's the bread? The broken body of Jesus. (laughs) It's what he will give you. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. That's why I read the scriptures, because they are spirit and they are life and they open my heart to understand what Jesus is doing in my life. Now, let's be clear about something. When I used to go into a theater and sit down and watch a movie, do you know what happened to me? I opened my heart. The filters were removed. And I ate up the values of that movie. When you're at home and you turn on your television or you turn on the YouTube, you're drinking in 
what they're pouring out to you, and it is shaping your value system, adjusting it, sometimes slowly and sometimes rapidly, causing you to be desensitized, causing you to value things that Jesus has no value for. This is what's happening to your heart. There are certain authors I used to love to read who wrote novels. I don't read them anymore. Why? Because I'm drawn into what they're saying. I'm entertained by what they're saying. But they are subtly filling me with values and adjustments to my character. I don't want that to happen. I want to be conscious. When I read the scriptures, Jesus said, look, these are spirit. These words that I'm speaking, they are spirit. They are life. And the spirit gives life. The flesh doesn't count for anything. Those fleshly entertainments don't count for anything. Watching a football game doesn't count for anything. You can do it. And as you do it, it will attract every possible lustful heart that you have. It'll adjust your thinking. It'll make you a competitor for something that has no value. Does it matter if if the Cowboys beat the Rams, does it matter? Of course not. It's all to be burned. It says, there are some of you who do not believe. And Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enables him. And from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And he said to his disciples, You, do you want to leave too? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Well, do you see? Many of you who listen to this broadcast want to be serious about Jesus. But you're blocked in your desire to be serious about Jesus by your responsibilities. Things you've signed up for. Many of you are blocked by financial responsibilities. Again, paying for that car that Jesus didn't tell you to buy, going in debt for something he did not tell you to buy, and you're consumed by your responsibilities. And we say, well, that's a good thing. No, it's not. Not if it's what we chose to create. Do you understand The world, the flesh, and the devil are going to do everything possible to keep you from going to Jesus now. The devil will condemn you. 
You'll say you're not worthy. You're not living the right life. Well, there's nowhere in the scriptures that we're told you have to be living the right life to go to Jesus. No, all of us were living the wrong life when we came to him. And he cleaned us up. He washed us. He changed us. He transformed us into his likeness. Some of you have pride. Some of you have pride. Some of you believe that God has unconditional love for you, so you're free to walk however you choose to walk, that Jesus forgave all of your past, present, and future sins. You've been lied to. None of that's true. He only made provision for you at the cross. He didn't proactively forgive your future sins. You see, it's time now to get to Jesus. It's time to search after him. We know what he'll do. He will reach out to you with the food of life, his broken body and his spilled blood. And he will begin to feed you on the words of Scripture, and the, and the Father will begin to draw you even more powerfully to himself And he will urge you to surrender, to give up your life for his life. He wants to give you a whole new way of looking at life and of walking in this life. He'll take away your fear. He'll take away your bitterness. He'll take away everything of darkness in you. He will do the work. As you surrender that, he'll take it. As you say, yes, Lord, I understand. I don't want that either. Will you please take it? He'll remove that sin from your heart. The old timers called that praying through. Where you fall on your face before God and you cry out to him with loud cries. You repent of your sin. You say, I'm sorry, I'm not on the right track. Will you change my course, Jesus? Now, some of you are very comfortable in your sin, and you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my sin. I know what I'm doing wrong. It'll just take some time. No, it won't. You're almost out of time. We're at the end. Jesus is coming again. It's time to get to Jesus now and get the work finished in your heart that you would turn away from all rebellion in your heart and say, Jesus, I am on your side and I want you and I want you to finish this work in me and now speak to me. Can I tell you something? When Jesus speaks to you about something and you push him away and you put him off, you will not be allowed to enter his presence again until you've dealt with that sin. You cannot continue that sin and continue to walk in intimacy with Jesus. Instead, you'll drift into religion. You'll drift into your own system of belief. And you'll be deceived. 
and you will not get the truth. And Jesus' hands will no longer feed and sustain you in your life. Some of you are playing with God on this. You're being blessed by God, but you're still playing games with him. And you will find it harder and harder to enter into his presence until finally you won't be allowed to enter at all. Until you, like Peter, (laughs) cry out and say, Lord, I'm drowning. Save me, Lord. When that cry comes out of your mouth, the Lord himself will save you. He'll reach out his hand. He'll grab a hold of you. He'll lift you up. The Christian walk is not a do-it-yourself project. It's not a self-improvement project. It's a walk with Jesus where we go to him and we let him have his way in our hearts. And we eat what he gives us to eat. And we go where he tells us to go. A lot of the disciples understood, and I I want to emphasize that, a lot of the disciples, I could say the church members, they understood what Jesus was, was saying to them. You're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, that's horrible. They didn't want to give up their lifestyle. They didn't want to give up their life. They wanted it their way. One foot in and one foot out. Let's see if Jesus proves to be who he says he is. Let's see if he defeats the Romans and kicks them out. Let's see if if something big is going to happen here. Well, something big did happen there. Jesus went to the cross and was crucified for you and me. And now we are approaching rapidly by the hour the coming of Jesus Christ for his children. I don't know when. I just know that we are facing the absolute destruction of this world a one-world government coming into power called the Antichrist. I know we're coming to a time of the mark of the beast. The technology is already set up. They're already beginning to implement this in many different countries. We are at the end of time. And if you're ever going to get to Jesus, now's the time. Now's the time to go and say, Jesus, I want to be connected to you. I want you to wash me and make me clean. I want to do only your will. I want my footsteps to be directed where you want me to go, when you want me to go, the way you want me to go. I belong to you and to you alone. Will you do that today? I'm being very serious with you. Will you go to Jesus now? And will you begin to confess your sin? 
where you begin to make peace with Jesus. Almighty God, I plead your mercy for every person who will listen to this broadcast, that they will quickly turn away from the darkness to the light, that they will come and receive from your hand your broken body and your spilled blood, that you would give them the courage and the strength to climb out of the boat and walk on the water as you called Peter to come out and walk on the water. Lord, I ask that you would come and speak with us and minister to our hearts. Lord, I praise you and worship you. I love you with all of my heart. Forgive me for those times of utter distraction and foolishness where I have wasted your time. I've turned back. Lord, forgive me. Let it be done. I belong to you and to none other. I don't belong to myself. I belong to you. Lord, I pray now that you will change the way we function, that we will get to you and stay with you, that we will remain in you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, I urge you today to be with me again tomorrow and invite someone else to listen. I'm going to begin moving further into the book of John. It is the way of the cross. It's the way of the gospel. We find in the seventh chapter that many people walk away from Jesus. Please, don't walk away from Jesus.